Hey everybody, Corey Hogan here from the Strategist Podcast with episode 981, a live show recorded in Calgary. Now you might be wondering where's episode 980? Well, it and all Thursday episodes from now on, plus bonus content, including an episode we did last week on healthcare in Alberta, are now Patreon exclusive. You can find them and much more at strategistpatreon.com and access them for as little as $6 a month. Without further ado, let's go to Zane, me and Stephen at the Martha Cohen Theatre in Calgary, Alberta. I hope you enjoy the show. This is a Strategist episode 981. My name is Zane Velger. With me as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and a live audience here in Calgary. Look at that. So good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Soak it up, Carter. Soak it up. How long has it been since someone's clapped for you? These people are... <laughs> since someone got the clap from me or since I... No! Uh, by the way, I do like these chairs, color-coordinated to our skin colors. I've just noticed, by the way. <laughs> if you ever get confused, just look at the, look at the chair. Uh, that's, that's two race jokes in seven minutes. How do you think this is going to go? This is going to go really well. Um, thank you, thank you all for being here, Carter. Any intro comments? Uh, any AFL uh, predictions or updates for the crowd? Listen, I did really shitty. Corey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? <laughs> I'm doing really good. It was nice to hear Chester again, though it does remind me. Pretty glad he's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell you about that guy. I mean. Uh, he's, he's negative, he runs his mouth I don't think he could ever make it publicly anywhere I don't know that, I, just, I, I, don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it's possible It's funny, I like them more than ever <laughs> Okay, well good to know Well good to know uh, Great, well how about we do this Should we move it on to our first segment Let's move it on to our first segment Our first segment, trust issues Guys, we have to talk about the trust issues inherent within this podcast. You know, many people thought this live show was a joke. Many people... I'm serious. How many people did you think thought this live show was a joke? Uh, yeah! They're just going to clap for anything. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, they are so drunk. Interacting Is that with what you were doing? Yeah, they're okay. hammered. Plying up the audience. Yeah. That's great. Uh, but Carter, we do have real trust issues within the podcast, do we not? We do. We have some significant issues that we need to work through. I'm glad you're bringing it up. Corey, some might even say an authenticity issue. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm still pretty convinced about half this crowd doesn't believe there's a real show going to happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We've already got their money, so who cares? I, mean, <laughs> I don't. I, for one, don't. No, I really have no idea. Uh, if, we'll see. I told them. I told them not to expect anything, especially the 12 people who've never heard it before. They're already bored. I can see one person with their e-reader out already. It's, uh... <laughs> but Carter, we have to talk about something because whenever we do our yearly review, yeah, we actually have our own accountability that needs to happen within the podcast. Oh, right, our own collective leadership reviews. Now, Carter, I, I did not see Grenier here. Yeah, you did not see Grenier here. But Corey, okay. do you want to explain to folks what Carter was doing in the lobby out there? Well, absolutely. So he wasn't just uh, glad-handing, he, he was working a room. Um, every uh, live show we have after an election, there is a strategist review uh, where there is a vote of the live audience to determine whether Stephen Carter is allowed to be on The Strategist for the next six years. That's the time we have between live shows on The Strategist. So, uh, really big, really important uh, night for him. Of course, you all would have had ballots on your chairs. You remember seeing you them in. when yeah. you came in? Uh, how about some applause if you filled out your ballot? Thank you. <laughs> now, Stephen helpfully collected, I think, most of those. I think he I did. did. I collected them all. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. collected them all. Uh, maybe we'll just kind of take a look at those results right now. Uh, if we can just move on to the next. Oh, there we are. Okay. Ah! So, uh, on the leadership question, 99.5% uh, of our audience in this room does not approve of Stephen Carter. Uh, Corey, do you want to explain uh, the, the two votes that he got? They, they do approve. No, do approve. Do approve. Do approve. Here, I've got some good news for you. When Stephen dropped off those 401 ballots to us there, uh, he managed to turn it around from a very early loss that he was looking at yeah. when it was 2 to 0. Oh I, I two contend to these results. I feel like for a group here that's paid $35 to listen to a show they could have heard for free, I don't think they knew the question. <laughs> I, don't think, I, I, I feel like, and I, I'm not calling you guys the dumbest 400 He's calling you guys the dumbest 400. But I mean, collective IQ. Okay. Um, Corey, <laughs> Carter's, Carter's passed the review. Get to stay. One to two. We get to stay. I get uh, to stay. We should Fuck you, Grenier. <laughs> That's good. We wanted to do this segment simply because we wanted Carter to have his validation. But let's move it on to the real work. Let's move it on to our next segment. Our next segment, the passion of the Jason. <laughs> 
it's a nice, it's a nice biblical. That's good, that's good. It's a biblical that's reference. Yeah, it's really well yeah, done. That's good. Easter's coming up, so you know. It's just like some good Christian content that we're going That's what this is about. By the way, happy Ramadan to everyone. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah there, there you go. Underneath all your chairs, a copy of the Quran. So make sure you. Seriously, just look underneath your chairs. Uh, you know, right path is. The 12 people are looking. Yeah. If you don't find it, don't believe in false prophets. Uh, first, first rule. First rule. Uh, I, I told you I was ready for any type of show today. <laughs> I was ready for any type of show. It seems like they are as well. Yeah. Corey, let's talk about this. We, we planned this live show with the premise that we would be talking about results from the UCP leadership review team, yeah. right? Yeah. Tell us about how, we, how the fuck we've gotten here. Yeah. Like, how are we here? How are, why are you still here? As soon as I heard there would be no results, I'd be like, fuck no, I'm not going to this thing. But thank you for coming. But Corey... How, how the hell did we get here? Yeah, I mean, the short version is you've got to put a deposit down on a place like this. <laughs> but if you want to get a little bit more specific about how the UCP ended up here, I, I, they, they had a, um, a call by a number of their constituencies last fall for an early leadership review, which pushed it up a couple of months. That resulted in them trying to, well, let's, let's be fair, they were trying to game the system a bit and mm-hmm. make sure that Jason Kenney could get a preferential result, mm-hmm. so they, they held uh, the special general meeting in Red Deer. So, inconvenient for everybody. An hour and a half from Calgary, an hour and a half from Edmonton, an hour and a half from Red Deer. And <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when it looked like that was going to be just a, a bit of a clusterfuck, there were 15,000 people who were registered, and that was just at the membership cutoff. Another 45,000 members who could conceivably decide to go up there. Yeah. The decision was made to go to a mail-in ballot. Now, that wasn't the, the most obvious decision in the world because what they could have done is added just a number of different locations yeah. which would have still allowed us to do this show without having to do a song and dance about why we're doing it on this day um, but they didn't they went to a mail-in ballot and the reason you have to imagine is because when all of the chips were out there and people could see you know the, the river I don't know you, you play poker I don't play poker there's cards on the table now um, <laughs> They decided that this was their best chance. Doesn't mean it, it is Jason Kenney is going to win, but it means he thought it was his best chance. They didn't like the flop. Huh. Wait till they see our flop. I mean, Stephen Carter, thank you. I think you've made your contribution for the night. <laughs> Despite the 99.5%, which I contend, the Saddam Hussein-style numbers you've gotten from his group. <laughs> I love you so, all. <laughs> so here we are. So here we are. It, it is a very... Like I, I like said, that you want to go back to talking about it, seriously. It was not the most <laughs> obvious choice because they've had to do a number of things to make this work even within their bylaws. The special general meeting is technically still going on. It's in recess right now. Yeah. And they're going to come back once all of the ballots have been mailed out, once all of the ballots have come back, and, uh, and they're able to announce them on May 18th. So I guess we should see if this place is available on May 19th. <laughs> Uh, for round two, but but we're now in limbo, and the province is in limbo, and it's a weird time for Alberta. Carter, talk to me about that limbo, but maybe I'll, I'll kind of go back a few steps with the very simple question of, we've seen a lot of shit in the last decade in Alberta politics. Have you seen anything like what we're, what the gun has started on as of yesterday with Jason Kenney's speech and this recess that we're experiencing heading into May 18th? Do you feel like th- you've seen something like this, and will we have seen something like what the next six weeks might bring to us. Well, no, because we've never seen anything where the rules change in the middle. I mean, Ralph Klein was, was, was facing down, um, you know, a, a very difficult result. People told him to his face that he was likely to win. He yep. didn't win. Uh, they said they'd vote one way and then they voted another way. Um, J- Stelmack and Redford were both able to kind of game their systems, wind up with uh, 78%. And I mean, gaming their systems by bringing in their supporters. It wasn't going to be over 2,000 people at their events. They were able to manage their, their outcomes a lot more effectively. But in Alberta politics, this is unheard of. We've never seen a situation, first of all, where we had 15,000 people sign up for yeah. a political uh, event like that. And secondly, where they changed the rules um, to try and find some way. Because I think that the first thinking was, if we gained the rules, as Corey was explaining, to have them everybody an hour and a half away from the balloting station, then that was their first gaming of the rules. Right Now they've decided, after Cynthia Moore said... You know, there's no way, the only way we can have a, a, a vote we can count on is having it in person. They then moved back to a mail-in, which is 
okay, which, which time were you lying, right? Because yeah. one of these two is a lie. So Cynthia Moore now is saying that the mail-in ballot's the most secure ballot. But now they've also added in, we'll collect your ballots in every riding. Yeah. Right? So if the mail-in ballot... Talk about that a bit more. So just like a couple of days ago, a new wrinkle to the rules. Another new wrinkle. Because apparently it wasn't good enough that they were cheating the one way. Now they have to cheat the other way. (laughs) So what they're doing now is... Coming from the guy with (laughs) (laughs) 99.5%. Keep going. I mean, you you are the... This audience loves me. (laughs) (laughs) The dumb... There you go, Carter. Scattered applause. Looking great. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Corey, jump in. It needs to be said that it, it's always the case that if you are in charge of the party, you get to pick how the leadership review is run, and you often will of pick it to your advantage. Of right? course. If you think you're in a bit of trouble. Which is gonna... why we said initially when they set up the, the they contoured that, uh, that initial uh, Red Deer meeting, yeah. they're like, Kenny stack in the deck. And that's what we thought at the time. We thought that he would be able to out-organize and bring people um, forward because he would be able to galvanize those people. And he's known as an organizer and he can get them there. But when there's just this crush of actual legitimate intensity that they'll come from the four corners of the province. Five, I guess. We've got a weird-shaped province. And <laughs> they'll all show up in Red Deer and they'll vote against them. Right? Yeah, so that's, of course. that's what all of a sudden looked like was going to happen. What is unusual here is not... A mail-in ballot, not the fact that they are holding it in Red Deer, uh, not that they are, uh, you know, going to have cutoffs the days that they have them. It's that they're doing all of these things, kind of stacking one on top of each other in the middle of the contest, and it's seemingly making it up as they go. So uh, talk to me about in straight terms with that. Making it up as they go, I think it's a charitable way. <laughs> bending the rules to, like, even more? It's their rules. They're not bending them. They're making them. Okay, so... But so, here's the thing. We yeah. wanted... Like, when, when, in one of our podcasts, we said, you know, if they were to open balloting stations in every riding. Like, yeah. we even just yeah. talked about, you know, the big seven cities. You could do that. And it would appear to be more fair. It was when they had 15,000 people coming. We thought this would be a way that they could do it. Now they've got the mail-in ballot, as well as, essentially, a, a new way of ballot collection. And I might add... All of this is under this premise that some auditing firm is going to be auditing the results. Well, yeah. they're not auditing the collection of the ballots. Yeah. Right? The collection of the ballots, which is normally pretty... Like, you don't go to the ballots, you know, the polling station in your local riding and get to take out 10,000 ballots and then bring them back later. <laughs> right? So that's what they're essentially set up for this system. And, and so... Changing the rules doesn't really feel like we're capturing the essence of what's going on. I guess, on. am I capturing a blasé attitude from you, Corey? Being like, let's their rules. They can do what the No, 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 you're not. Okay. Um, what I want to say, though, is like there's, you know, there's, there's lines here of, of normal behavior and nothing is individually unusual. It's the combination and it's the stacking that makes it so deeply unusual. I mean, leaders play with the cutoff date for membership all, all of the, the time. time. Yeah. I mean, you see this even in the Conservative Party federally right now. A lot of debate as to when the membership cutoff should be for that. And the choice is not a choice without consequences. Could help one candidate, could hurt another candidate. What is unusual, though, is to change the rules after that date. Because you have to assume that the Jason Kenney campaign and the loyalists who control the board were aware for at least a week, two weeks, as yeah. we were looking at numbers of 7,000, 10,000, 12,000, that they were going to go to a mail-in ballot. And how might that have changed their behavior in those two weeks relative to their opponents with well, the, the, all, all warfare is based on asymmetry, right? And there's an asymmetry of information here. So whereas uh, the Brian Jean team might be out trying to sell memberships only to people and focusing only on the people they think are intense enough to show up in Red Deer, the Jason Kenney campaign might just be throwing those memberships out. Who gives a fuck? I don't know. We'll get them on the list and we'll figure it out later. Because yeah, yeah. it's going to show up in their mailbox. We'll send an organizer by. They'll grab those ballots. They'll take them to this central balloting process, and that's how we're going to get our votes. Carter, I have to talk to you about this. So this kind of brings people up to speed in terms of what has happened, what's led us here. And then the starting gun happened yesterday with a speech from Jason Kenney. Uh-huh. 45-minute speech to the membership, yeah. right? Uh, there was a speech yesterday. I was outside. Okay, well, Corey, yesterday uh, Jason Kenney <laughs> made a speech to the membership. Thank you for mailing it in, Carter, on the, on the show. You, you did know today was happening, right? This is the exact same amount of prep I always do. Okay, well. <laughs> can confirm. Yeah, you would have both. Corey, speech yesterday. Yeah. Kenny, 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Rhetoric is through the roof. Yeah. He's talking to the base directly. Give me your reactions on what he said yesterday 
that either surprised you or that you found strategically interesting. And let's pick it up from, from, from there. Yeah, you bet. So I, I think fundamentally, it was a pretty good speech if you both have no faculties for critical thought and no memory. <laughs> and, and look, I actually don't mean that as flip as it might sound. <laughs> it was pretty flip. Really? I think it... Uh, yeah, I think yeah. you did mean no, I, that. I think, right, I think yeah, you did. Let me unpack that one degree He was practicing that line more. in the green room. Yeah. like, <laughs> like to over and over. Let, uh, let me unpack that We one. only paid for one green room between the three of us. That's, so that's true. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. The... Um, there, there were a number of assertions that were made that are, are just not factually accurate. I mean, from small things like when the 1997 election was, was not in 1995, it turns out, <laughs> to, to, to kind of more concrete things about why people were mad at him when the Omicron wave sure, was going sure. on, right? And, and a lot of it had to do with he disappeared for a while, right? And, and so when you look at it and you put on that cap and you say, wait a minute, that's not how it went – it doesn't really hold water, but if you stand back and you're maybe a less engaged member, it was a good speech. It was a well-constructed speech. It had kind of a, a really beautiful arc from a speechwriter point of view of starting with year one, all of the ambition, all of the things that were going on. And by the way, I don't know how many of you know this. I worked for Jason Kenney for that year. I was the deputy minister of communications for that year. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Um, Boo that ministry. <laughs> uh, and then there was the then COVID hit. And this is the dark part when the hero struggles, right? It was very Hollywood and construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he moved on to, but now we're on a tear. Look at our economy. And you and I, Zane, have seen him give that speech. We in have, person. in person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's good. He's good at it. Right? I wasn't invited. No. <laughs> it's a good speech. I mean, it's a well-constructed, it's an optimistic part of it, and it's an economic message that I think Albertans are very hungry to Thirsty hear. For, yeah. So if you, if you sort of say, I don't care how accurate this is, I'm not going to poke too much at some of the things he said, if I just kind of take this as the Hollywood treatment of the past few years, it was a pretty good speech. Carter, I want to read you a line. Friends, I'm here to ask that we unite. I've not been a perfect leader. I've made mistakes. I ask that you not compare me to the Almighty, but you compare me to the alternative. Well, I mean... It, it... <laughs> Once again, this is a very biblical... <laughs> Happy Easter, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what really pisses me off is that we actually gave him this advice last week. We said, don't, you know, you've got to make sure you're comparing yourself to Danielle Smith and Brian Jean. Danielle Smith and Brian Jean have both had the opportunity to run against, you know, to, to try and form a government. Danielle Smith lost in 2012 despite having a huge lead. She gave it away because she didn't know how to manage the right wing of her party. Yeah. And Brian Jean was just recently in 2015 given the opportunity to step into a government that was falling apart, flailing. Conservatives wanted to choose Brian Jean, but Brian Jean didn't give them a reason. But Jason Kenney didn't say that. Right? Jason Kenney didn't want to actually draw a comparison between the two, between himself and the other two. Instead, what he wanted to do is, for some reason, bring in a, a, a Stephen Harper line of comparing himself to the Almighty. And it, it just bombed. It, doesn't, it didn't fit. I don't know if it was just because social media is different today than it was when Stephen Harper said it back in, what, 2000 and something but, but that, we've, that we've line heard goes it. way we've, back yeah, it, it, yeah, joe biden has used it in the past we've heard it in from decades trudeau in the elder used it we've heard it before right so basically is, he's stealing from trudeau like you know yeah. don't <laughs> <laughs> you like one of his birthrights not the other what is it jason yeah that's right <laughs> like don't compare me to like any host that would be perfect in your mind compare me to these two right and <laughs> and what you'll get <laughs> The one in the brown chair. Uh, it's a drive-by. It was, it was brutal. But, but Corey, see, I, don't, I, I, I need to talk about this message. Yeah. Is this the strategic message that Kenny needs to put out to his base? Because let's be very clear. This was a speech for the base. This was a speech narrowed in for the membership. There's no expanding the membership. He probably doesn't even care about the collateral damage, one might argue, that it would do to the gen pop after he wins, because all he needs to get to is victory. So do you see this, if I can call it the ballot box question of the next five to six weeks that he's trying to structure around alternative versus almighty or something else? I don't see it as alternative versus almighty. That's what we talked about. I thought that was maybe not a bad one. And I thought one of the risks that Brian Jean was presenting to himself was making it a fight of the real person, Brian Jean, versus, you know, this, this imaginary super leader who might be out there. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, but really, most of the speech was not about that. That was the clip line. That was a line that yep. got a lot of coverage in the media. 
But the ballot question he is going for very clearly is united versus divided. And he believes that he can hold the united mantra because he's the one who built the party. Not super clear to me that he actually gets that. But isn't, but, there, isn't there also a theme, though, that is that this all happened to me? Yes, I'm not a perfect person, but this all happened to me. Was done to me. It, it yeah. is, you know, anybody would have struggled in these circumstances saying, I'm not, a, I'm not God. I mean, everybody, anybody who's, who's been in this circumstance has really suffered with it. And I think that the challenge with that is that not everybody has. You know, John Horgan came through it really quite cleanly. Um, even, uh, you know, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, sort of, but all of these leaders have taken dents. There's no question Jason Kenney's taken more than Well, all. Doug Ford's going to cruise to victory yeah. on June the 2nd. I mean, he's the exact... But, but Carter, talk to me. Talk to me about the, in the history of politics that this happened to me message. How does that generally resonate with voters? You've probably had to construct stuff where, you know, it has been external factors disproportionately that have impacted an outcome, a polling results, an issue, or where you find yourself in. How well does the, oh, this is not, like, this is, this is something I'll own, but w- between us, it wasn't me. We saw how well it worked for Rachel Notley in 20, you know, 2019. You know, the, the downturn started in 2014. It wasn't Rachel Notley who said, you know what? Oil and gas is too expensive. Let's just drop it all, right? Let's just cut the prices worldwide. I'm now in charge. It was, it was a worldwide, you know. I think that's a winning message, actually. <laughs> Keep going. Could have worked. I mean, but, you know, it happened to her. Yeah. Right? And then in 2019, um, the fact that it happened to her wasn't an excuse. It, could, it wouldn't work. It was something where we are asking our leaders to lead despite of the, in spite of the circumstance. So you have to rise up to the moment that is demanded of you, not just to simply slink away and say, it was really hard. And that's what Jason seems to be saying. It was really hard. I, that, <laughs> it was really hard. Not, not my read of the speech. In, in fact, I think one of the things that he went back to quite a bit was saying, Despite all of this going on, we continued on with our ambitious agenda. Right? Yeah, yeah, our yeah. 395 different policy points he, he pointed to many yeah. times. Uh, promise made, promise kept. But, but really what he kept going back to, the well he kept going back to is you have a choice here. It's between a united party with me or total chaos and discord. That is what we call a false dichotomy. That, those are not the only two choices on the table, but that is what he's trying to present okay, to So let's party. pick up on the strategy here. Carter? You hear, is the, is the united divided frame the strategy you would have suggested to him yesterday? Well, I think that it's, it, it comes inherent to the idea that they're going to win, right? So conservatives live in complete fear of the split, right? They, they believe the only reason they ever lose is because of vote split, right? It's never because of anything they've done. It's always because of the way that the electorate splits along, right? So Rachel Nolly would never win if it wasn't for a vote split. And I just... For me, I, I don't believe in vote split. I don't think that vote split's a real thing. But obviously, Jason Kenney does. And more important, the people who in the Conservative Party do believe that if it splits, it splits and, and someone else wins. So maybe he's t- taking the right, right message to the right audience. But I also don't think that there's... I think most Conservatives think that the, 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 the huge number of Conservatives that exist are on their side. Right, like the social conservatives think, oh yeah, everybody's a social conservative, and then this, you know, the progressive conservatives are like, oh, yeah, everybody's a progressive conservative. So they all misread how many people are, are actually with them, and they don't understand necessarily how things break apart and how they could fall apart. Corey, I see you nodding to that. Do you agree? Well, I, a little bit. I, I think that there a is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there is definitely some truth to the fact. And look, it's so recent history, and it's not just provincially, but federally. That's part of the the folklore of the Conservative Party as well, right? We get together, we can win. We don't hang together, we lose. Yeah, you're seeing that even in the federal context, PPC, CPC, that's why they lost, is, is what a huge group in the party I, thinks. So that there is something to that in the Conservative like mantra, but I, I think it's, it's not just that. I mean, it's this idea that if you are going to, if you are going to um, do anything but stay with him, because he was also sprinkling in these ideas of moderation and mainstreaming, and keeping promises being an important part of it, and boy, it was tough, but I kept my promises, then we break again, right? So, because so, then we're in our own bullshit, which was the problem for the last two There's years. two strategy questions here yeah. that I think are important to, to talk about. Number one, let's talk about that message yesterday. If you were advising him, Corey, yeah. is that the frame you would have encouraged him to take, the united versus divided, the I'm the one who created this party, I'm the one that has its user manual 
I am Team United. Oh, that's he what clearly has the user manual. He rebooted the leadership review like that. <laughs> this is true. He also hasn't kept them very united throughout this time. So, <laughs> no, I, I, I got to say, like, it's not where I initially went. Where I went was this idea of comparing to very concrete candidates such as Danielle Smith and Brian G. Would you name them my really name? Them. Well, he, he didn't, actually. I thought that's that's what I'm saying. Would you have named them? I would have, probably, if I was going that route. But he chose a different route. I don't hate it, but I just don't know enough about the Conservative Party. I'm sure they have some polling. I'm sure they have focus groups. And if they, if they can reasonably convince people that the party splits if he's not the leader, then, then yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm intrigued if that is the case, though, because it's pretty clear that he's one of the big divides in the conservative movement right now. Carter, if you were hired for one of your hatchet jobs to save uh, uh, Jason Kenney, uh, he calls you. He says, listen, Stephen Carter... You know, you're the best strategist between Corey and Zane on the stage. Um, what, what, would you, <laughs> what would you advise that I do for this speech? Would you have taken that lane, that united versus divider? Would you have actually told him to choose a different strategic frame? Because here's the other advantage he has. He has the advantage to set the, the groundwork for what the next weeks look like in terms of the question that he wants the membership to ask themselves. I would emerge them. I would emerge them. I mean, Danielle Smith had the opportunity. In fact, she crossed the floor to Jim Prentice in an opportunity to bring everybody together and make sure that you know the, the evil socialists didn't win. And she failed. She failed. She lost the confidence because she didn't know how to do it the right way. She didn't know how to do it. Brian Jean didn't even want to do it. Brian Jean doesn't want to lead a, a united conservative party. He's told us that because of his behaviors. Right? He had the, again, he had the opportunity in 2015 to yeah. bring everybody together, but he didn't do That's it. That's really interesting. These so-called uniters have done nothing but divide. And, and right. here I am. I'm a guy who came forward out of federal politics, didn't need to come, didn't need to come, but I saw that things were broken. I saw that things were broken, and I chose to fix them. <laughs> who said didn't need to come? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Is there like a morals clause in our deposit? Like, no. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Probably. Corey, second strategic question here, which is the blowback that Kenny might get using this particular, not even this frame, yeah. but dialing up the rhetoric to 11, talking about critical race theory, battling against wokeness, all this sort of like base red meat stuff, the blowback that might mean even if he is successful, to the gen pop that he needs to secure. He needs to, he needs to grow. He needs to retain. What do, you, what do you kind of think of that? I think he's basically assuming that nobody is going that deep into the speech except for the Twitterati and saying, like, oh, my God, he's talking about CRT and wokeness. Jesus Christ, did we need that imported from the United States? What is more interesting to me is the flip, right? In some ways, by him saying you're united with me or you divide is him holding a gun to the head of the party he created, right? It's saying... What happens next is going to be bad, and that can become self-fulfilling, right? It, it, like the, he's almost giving license to people to split on the so-called UCP if he doesn't win. Carter, one thing I can't square is Jason Kenney coming out a couple of weeks ago in that leaked audio that says, I'm the moderating force of this party. I don't want the lunatic fringe to take it over. And then you know, a week or two later, dialing up the rhetoric for the base to 11 around CRT, wokeness, the curriculum, defending the ideology for the base. Like, there has to be a price to pay, or someone could strategically hopefully make him pay, one would say, uh, in the general population in that regard, don't you think? Well, you're asking Jason Kenney to do something he's never been able to do before, and that's be rational. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Too easy. The applause lines come, yeah, Carter, the applause lines come too easy. Scattered. (laughs) Scattered. Scattered scattered applause, yeah. But here's the the simple truth of of the Jason Kenney situation is he's a drowning man. He is a drowning man right now, and, and as a drowning man, he is literally reaching for any life preserver that he can find in order to hold on to the, this party that he's created. The die's cast in your mind? I don't know that the die is cast. I think if the die was truly cast, and keeping in mind, to, to Corey's point about asymmetrical information, he has way more information than we do. He's called the 60,000 members. He knows what his numbers look like. If his numbers were truly trash, I honestly do believe that he would step out rather than suffer the embarrassment. So he's pushing forth probably because it's close and he thinks that he can get his people out, whereas the others who are disorganized and don't have the capability. Because keeping in mind, Jason Kenney's an organizational machine. This is the thing, we may not think much of him as a politician, but as an organizer, Jason Kenney's one of the top political organizers in Canada. So he believes that he can win 
That's the, why, that's the reason why he's continuing. Corey, Brian Jean, War Room tonight. What are you guys talking about in there? Well, I, you know, if I'm Brian Jean, I am not taking the bait on this one. I'm, I'm not making it seem as though I am the divisive candidate. I'm keeping it squarely on Jason Kenney. The big mistake would be buying into his ballot question and fighting on those ballot question grounds. What you do instead is you say, no, this is not about unity versus division. This is about uh, uh, one man and whether he has acted appropriately in the past two years, three years as it goes on. And then remind people of the things that actually frustrated them about Jason Kenney. Right? Talk to them about the fact that he disappeared for three weeks as Omicron was ramping up. And we crashed into all of these. Keep in mind, if you're Brian Jean, you're on the more conservative side, right? We crashed into all of these additional restrictions. And think of the businesses that failed because of that, because Jason Kenney was asleep at the switch. And Jason Kenney did all of these things in a way where he didn't engage people and he didn't think about the programs and their construction in a way that would protect ordinary good people in Pinocchio, in Fort McMurray, in High River, wherever it is that you think you've got your votes coming from. You've got to make the ballot question about Jason Kenney. You do not want to fight him on his ballot question. Carter, how much effort would you put if you're a Daniel Smith, if you're a Brian Jean, if you're a other names leaking, you know, so to speak? And I, Doug Schweitzer is currently in the fold, right? I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. There was a, like a CBC article yeah. that said Doug yeah. Schweitzer is gunning for the leadership. Uh, and I thought, that's a drop. Put a pin in that. I want to talk about how you seek the leadership from within uh, still and if that strategy has changed. But Carter, how much time are you placing right now as someone who wants Jason Kenney to be gone. You've made it clear. You're a Brian Jean, you're a Daniel Smith, you're one of the key organizers of the party, you're one of the folks who's defected. How much time are you spending on trying to define this ballot box question? And, and are you adding to what Corey said, uh, anything related to process? This is what I find interesting, because the process questions regarding the rule changes, all this sort of stuff. Do you bicker at all about that? Or is the race on and you're spending energy to define ballot box questions? The good news about the Conservative Party is they will bicker about the rules all by themselves. <laughs> right. Right? They, they, they know their rules. They're part of it. They, they will, and, and their constituencies are strong. They have great networks uh, throughout their constituencies. Uh, it's one of the joys of being the government is you have all 87 ridings that are working for you. Uh, all of those ridings will do all the complaining that you want. Yeah. What you want to do is actually change the ballot box question. You need the ballot box question. So you are spending energy on doing that. On the ballot box question. But not his ballot box question. Not Jason Kenney's ballot box Ex- question. Explain how you do that. So explain. Corey said, this is what I want it to be. I want it to be a referendum on Jason Kenney. How is Brian Jean or Danielle Smith doing that tonight? How are they thinking about that strategically tonight? One question. Can we win? If Jason Kenney remains the leader of this party, will we win in the next election? Because nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if I'm the leader. It doesn't matter if Danielle Smith's the leader. It doesn't matter if Corey Hogan's the leader. Because apparently he's a conservative now. All we need to do... All we need to do... We need to, we need to win the next election. And the best way to win the next election... doesn't matter who wins it. All that matters is we get rid of him. Because if we get rid of Jason Kenney, we can win. That's not bad. Um, I, I, <laughs> that, now... Now, knowing Corey for as long as I have, that is very high, very high marks. <laughs> very high marks. I would maybe go... Uh, for, so, first of all, my strategy would not be putting myself front and center. I would not be talking about my own leadership ambitions if I was Danielle Smith, if I was Brian Jean. And I would make the question, can we do better? Not, can we win? Why? Because can we win can seems we win? to have quantitative results well, associated with it. Well, you know, it. there's a challenge there because there are, there's, you've got the battle of the polls already where Jason Kenney points to, to polls that he likes... Uh, uh, cherry picks data from those yeah. polls that he likes, ignores other polls. Even if you like the poll, you like, and I like the poll. I think Janet's here. Love your poll, Janet. But, uh, but you know, it, it, you're going to get into a battle of polls. Sure. And a battle of polls is a pretty, pretty murky place to be. If that's what you're fighting this on, that's not great for you. That's not good if you're Brian Jean. It starts but with a battle of polls. It doesn't end there, does all it? all of those polls, there is a common element, which is Jason Kenney is unpopular. His disapproval, much higher than his approval. So your battle box again, say it to me. Can we do better? Can we do better? Yes. And, and I think that you can talk about the numbers. You can talk about the specific events. You can say that Jason Kenney has, uh, you know, he's a great organizer. We all appreciate his organization. We appreciate what he's done to get us here. But he can't get us any further. And we've seen the limits of Jason Kenney in these past few years. We can do better. I'm just really pleased that the audience is able to see my body language as I'm shifting away from you. <laughs> as you're coming up with that. Like this yeah. recoil effect. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's so much more complicated. 
it's, you know, go with the simple. The simple is we can't win with Jason Kenney. He's not popular enough. Sure, the UCB can win, but not with him as leader. The party remains strong. The fundamentals remain there. But he drags us down. And we need to have someone who will lift us up. That's what a leader is supposed to do. The problem that the Brian Jeans, the Daniel Smiths have is that they're fractured as a group. They, they are not just trying to set a ballot box question. They're trying to set a ballot box question that can advantage them as being on, on, the, out, on the outcome of it. Right? So they don't just want him to be defeated. They are trying to do step one and two at the same time. Is that a mistake, Corey? Potentially a strength as well, though, because they Tell can pick different audiences and they can use versions of ballot box question. You don't need one ballot box question for everybody, especially in a race like this, yeah. right? So they can go and they can find the people who are the libertarian first in the Daniel Smith camp, and they can, they can use whatever language works in that context. Brian Jean can use an entirely different message to those former Wild Rose supporters. And then there are groups even beyond that. There are, I've been told there are literally dozens of groups organizing, organizing in some way, shape, or form in, in the pro and the con sense, primarily on the con. So, I, you know, there's, there's an opportunity there as well. And one of the things we talked about last time was all of those groups, there is a chance Jason Kenny just points to one and says, see, they're nuts. Right? I'm the same one. Look at all of the crazy people against me. But Jason Kenney has decided not to take that road. He's decided to say, I am unity. And the risk when you say, I am unity, is then if you start fighting with your own party, you're undercutting your own ballot question. Which is what he's been doing, though. I mean, this is why yeah. I think he's a drowning man who's just reaching for any life preserver he can find. Because no matter how hard he tries, he is contradicting himself. And, I mean, there's a limit, I think. We saw Trump contradict himself every day during his four-year reign of terror, and he continues to contradict himself now. But Jason Kenney's not Donald Trump, and Albertans aren't Americans. So I think that we are going to see that you know, he continues to struggle. And What are you looking for? Tell me, uh, I'm going to build on this. Jason? Yeah, well, what are you looking for over the next you know, couple of weeks from him in terms of message and even perhaps even metrics of saying, is this indeed a drowning leader of the UCP. If I didn't hear from him again for the next six weeks, I think he'd be doing his best work. <laughs> no, uh, yes. Yes, once again, you better give a pause for Stephen Carter. Too, think, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to that well one too many times, my friend. No, but, uh, I, no, but let me tell you why. No, no but I'm serious. Yeah, it, I'm serious. It, it, let me tell you why. Because he doesn't need any more media. Right? Like, so when you're, when, you're, when you're trying to do a lot of the time is you're trying to get name recognition for your, for your candidate. Okay. Everybody knows who Jason Kenney is. Yeah. What he's trying to do now, what he needs to do now is put himself in an organizational position. He needs to organize. And organization is always done underneath the surface. You're never doing primary organization with the glare of the media or with the big speech, those types of things. Organization is what puts 1,100 people in a Pierre Polyev event. Not why there's 1,100 people there, right? Like, you, you, are, you, you do the work, and that work pays off, and Jason Kenney needs to simply do the work. Don't make the speech. Don't make the messaging. Get your people to the polls, or get them an extra 10 ballots each. <laughs> but get them their ballots. Get them filled in. Get them to their polling stations. Corey, what are you looking for from him? It's great advice. At, at this point, there are some members that are just going to vote, no matter what. Like, they're the engaged members. You don't need to do a thing. You're not going to be able to change their mind anyways. The die is cast with that. How big that group is, he is going to have a much better sense than we will sitting on this stage. They've been working the phones for months at this point, right? Uh, and from there, you go out. You say, who needs a nudge? How do I get these people in? This is kind of standard get-out-the-vote stuff that occurs in every leadership and in every general election. You have your lists. You work your lists, you have like audiences, people who are like the people already on your list, you make assumptions about them, and you get them to vote. What if, and this is, this is a, a big what if, but I, I suspect from your two ballot box questions you want for the anti-Kenny advocates or activists, what if they're successful in starting to define the question? That more and more members are saying, yeah, can we do better? Are we better off with, 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 yeah. uh, without uh, Do we have a better Kenny? chance of winning? Do yeah. we have a better chance of winning? You know, the UCP can go on, but not with this guy. If that chattering class continues, Jason Kenney, does he stop the organizing train? Does he divert no. resources to the ballot box question? See, this is the tension that I find it's, interesting. It's E-Day, man. Like, the, the, the argument it's already there. made. It's going to continue because we've got this weird one-month thing that's now going on. But think about that. There's 60,000 members in the UCP-ish, right? 60,000 yeah. members. How many of them do you think are actually accessible at this moment? We might be talking 30,000, 20,000, 10,000. Right. And so it becomes 
less about the convincing and more about the getting them out. Yeah, you don't reset a ballot box question once the ballots are you know, in the air, right? So, so it's kind of like saying, well, the advanced polls are out. Let's try and start to message to people. The, the advanced polls are out. People are casting ballots. Yeah, that means you find the people that you're looking for and get them this, to count. You, you, you called this a starting pistol. I did. Yeah. And I was going to jump on you right there and be shitty, but I thought in front of all these nice people. <laughs> Why? Yeah, no, no, you need a win now, so go ahead. Do it, do it, do it now. <laughs> this, is a, this is a good time to take a shit on me. Go ahead, Corey. This, this was a closing argument, right? This is, this is the thing mm. I need you to think about as you go in here. You're the most engaged. You're the lunatics who are actually watching a Zoom political speech live from Red Deer. Yeah. You know? I, and, you're, and this is my best argument. This is the summation of everything I need you to hear before you go vote. But he's never going to get another moment like this for the rest, of, the rest of the leadership review. Carter, I have to ask you two, two additional audiences. The first one, the Schweitzer name keeps floating around. We don't know if that's true. I, I want to go revisit an older conversation we've had, actually iteratively throughout our podcast over the last six months, which is if you're the, on the inside of the Kenny camp right now, you're a cabinet minister, you're someone sitting in government, you have your eye on that prize, your name's not Brian Jean, your name's not Danielle Smith, what are you doing right now? Are you still saying, this is our guy? Are you being a little bit more chill in your reception? If Corey's right, this was a closing argument, starting pistol in a closing argument, um, <laughs> what are you doing if you are, if you are one of those folks? Episode title, yeah. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're letting everything unfold. There is absolutely no reason. Like, so your advice for Kenny is to do nothing no. and for and for and, no to organize. <laughs> I get it, I get what the it. fuck, man? Are you listening to the I'm, podcast? I'm simplifying it for the 12 people that have never heard the okay, podcast. Okay, yeah. Before. Can we? Uh, let's just put a pin in it and just revisit. How is your experience thus far? Uh, <laughs> is, is this? No, 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 not, no, you no, no not you people. The, the other people. people who are dates for for people who've never heard this podcast before. Your how's your experience? Can I just hear from one of you? Not great. She didn't say anything. Okay, excellent. <laughs> this woman right here is yeah. like, I'm not talking ever. And your friend made you sit in the front row? That's terrible. Yeah. Oh, they were, were late. late. They were okay. late. Okay. Yeah. I, I hope you like the view of that monitor in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a bad spot to sit if you've no, never heard the podcast she, before. Yeah. Carter, though. Do, do, okay, you're, you're on the do nothing track. Let it unfold. Keep going. Well, I'll tell you why. Because uh, the person who puts the knife in the back of the emperor doesn't usually survive to win the next race. Well, that's what Brian G. Right. and Daniel Smith seem to be doing Ted, right now. Yeah, Ted Morton doesn't survive, right? Um, we, did, we didn't see uh, Jim Jennings survive when he put the knife back into, into Klein's back. So the person who's putting that knife in often gets trampled by the group. So your best bet, if you're Travis Taves, you're Doug Schweitzer, if you're Tyler Shandra, whoever wants to seek that leadership, let Brian Jean and Daniel Smith do all the heavy lifting. There are two mm. possible outcomes. Jason Kenny wins, Bob's your uncle, right? You're already an insider. You're already cabinet minister. You don't care, right? If, if Jason Kenny loses, those two other assholes took him down, and you're trying to keep the party together, right? So it's a win-win for you. Get, stay out of the way. Never, allow, you know, never put yourself in a position where you're going to get hurt when other people can get hurt. Corey, do you agree? Do you... <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I think at this point, what is the benefit of jumping off the sidelines for all of the reasons we've talked about? Okay. The die is cast for many of these people. And um, it's, it's really, really, the next, if, let's just say, let's just play hypothetical here. Let's say Jason Kenny loses. Let's say that's the leadership yep. race, not a review anymore. You are still going to have a massive amount of that party really obsessed with unity. And they are not going to want to pick a combatant from one of the two sides. And they're going to want to pick somebody who's, always looked party first and, and they were going to say things like, hey, I've always been party first and when Jason Kenny asked me to serve, I served and as long as I was serving, I was going to be loyal to him and you yeah, there were things I to... disagreed with at cabinet at the time, but you know what? You come out and you're strong together and, and Zane, are we going to do another segment tonight or is it just one? What's just going one on? Segment. We're doing more segments. I got, I got more do you questions. you know how to tell the time? Oh, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the time. I told these people that you know the sun isn't out so I can't really tell the time so uh, at some point, at some point we'll move on. However, I'm going to ask one last question. One last question. One person laughing at your son is an art joke. This is freaking me out. Better, better than I thought it would go, actually. It's a very, it's a very charitable crowd. Um, can we do better? Is that the, the, the NDP mantra over the next month? If they have a mantra, they're idiots. Don't say anything. 
Go underground. Yeah, let the let the UCP sure. destroy themselves. Go underground. Go look, there. There's nothing to be gained. There's nothing. You know, I think opposition parties in this context feel this compulsive urge to poke and make it worse and pick at the sores. All that's going to happen is you're going to get the disease, right? Just, <laughs> just stay away. Let this play out. Dude, grab your popcorn. Watch this shit show unfold in the legislature. Elect your candidates. Build your ridings. Raise money. Do all of those things. All of those things. Are you raising are any money from what's going on here? Not a penny. You're raising money on vision. You're on raising money on hope. You're yeah. raising money on the next opportunity. I don't know what's going on over there. I don't even care. What I do care about is what's best for Albertans. And what's best for Albertans are people who aren't eating their young. Right? <laughs> <laughs> The lowest of ours, I, I, on that yeah. note, we're going to move it on to our next segment. Our next segment. <laughs> our next segment, peer pressure. Guys, I want to talk about peer polyamory. And, and oh. <laughs> Skippy, 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 Skippy. Corey, are the rally sizes worrying you? Uh, you know, and, and let me ask it this way: Rather than Corey Hogan, is it worrying you? Is it worrying you in two frames? Is it worrying you if you're Brown or Charest, and is it worrying you if you're a guy named Justin Trudeau sitting in, in the Prime Minister's chair right now? So we've seen this show before, right? In 2016, there were big rallies for this guy named Donald Trump, and everyone hand waved them away. That's not how you win. That's not how you win. You go out, you sell memberships, and we're hearing a lot of the same narrative there. It, there's nothing that makes me think that people are more right now than they were then, right? And in fact, the difference was Donald Trump didn't have any of the establishment with him. Mm. It's pretty clear to me most of the Conservative Party establishment is with Pierre Polyev right now. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I think that I would be very worried. Now, there's lots of conversation about is Brown just out there hustling memberships? Is Charest doing the same in Quebec? I, you know, but look at where the momentum is. We talked about this on, the, on our last episode or a couple of episodes ago. He's got the crowds, he's got the enthusiasm, he's got the online presence. Is there any metric you think that he's losing on right now? Because I don't see one. Intelligence? (laughs) And the risk is that he just steamrolls through and the intelligence, the personality quip I heard, same things I heard about Donald Trump in 2016, right? There is something that he's capturing that's in the conservative zeitgeist and sometimes people just get tired of leaders and Justin Trudeau could lose just because... 2015 to 2025, that's a long time. This is, this is the frame, actually, that Corey just ended on that I want to talk about, Carter, which is we've talked at length about what Charest does, what Brown does, their regional differences, how you're not hitting the panic button just yet. You may want to revise that based on what you saw over the last couple of days with the size of Pierce rallies, etc. However, I want to talk about what a war room inside the PMO or the Liberal Party does right now. You might be saying, there are many years before an election. But I'd also argue that it's the prep that happens now. It's the contouring that happens now, the off-season work to prepare for, let's be clear, a machine like this that has the ability to steamroll. What would you be doing right now if you're, if you're in that camp, Carter? Well, I'd be starting to think about the next election for sure. And I think that one of the challenges that the liberals have had is they're just not good. Like we've talked a lot about a couple of things that they're not good at. They're not good at issue management. Yeah. And I don't think they're good at campaigns. So I would be working really hard if I were the Liberals because Pierre Polyev is good at issues, right? He, he, he grabs the issue like inflation and he makes it his. And, and can and, I ask you on that, do you feel like, and this is a macro question, but do you feel like we're moving to a moment that we're starting to vote more and more on issues rather than jersey color? No, I think we're still voting on jersey color and I think we're mm. still voting on, on uh, you know, the single ballot question that is, is, is probably pretty, pretty soft. But I think that... Pierre Polyev can probably win on a soft ballot question, right? Like, it, it doesn't have to be... Like, the, the thing is, if you're not good at issue management, you know that you're in government for three and a half more years, and there's going to be issues. Pierre is going to be better taking advantage of those issues than the last two leaders, right? So you better get better at your issue management. And then when you get to the election, you better actually be prepared to run an election. It would appear that Pierre Polyev is not going to air an O'Toole and just give it to you. Right? Oh, is that a verb now? That's great. <laughs> that might be Aaron O'Toole's legacy. Sheeran O'Toole. You know, I mean, it, both of them were terrible, and they just handed the election over. Because I'd argue that you know Justin Trudeau's best election 
was 2015, and he hasn't run an election since 2015 that I mean, was even close. Indisputable, just based on the results. But, of course. Yeah. But, but what Carter's saying here is fascinating, is that, that O'Toole and Scheer, especially O'Toole, who tried to moderate himself during an election, handed it over to Trudeau, is what you say. But you've got Polyev now, who's undeniably more right-wing than O'Toole was, at least in the reincarnation that we saw during the election, and you're saying that, that he might have more muster. It seems like the well, authenticity the, gap is perhaps what you're talking about. Well, we're way. going into this model where we think that people actually identify as far right, far left. Most people don't, right? There is a group of people who are hyper-engaged in, this, in politics, and they're here in the room, and thank you for your 35 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but most people aren't here, right? Like, most people wouldn't do this because these people are crazy. And... <laughs> The so, constant disdain we have for the audience is an ongoing theme. Yeah. Uh, person who's not uh, listened to the podcast before, thank you. Go on. <laughs> but the, the vast majority of people are less engaged. They don't necessarily understand or identify as Okay. Something. So when there's a big crowd, right? Like, people will go to a thing where there's a big crowd just be, for the energy. Like, the 12 people who got dragged to this thing. They didn't know what they were doing, but hell, it seemed like a party and there was going to be alcohol. So they showed up... <laughs> And, and that's actually how momentum works, right? You don't, if, uh, if, you, if you don't get caught up in the left-wing, right-wing thing, I mean, we're watching it unfold again in France right now. Yeah, with Le Pen. Where Le Pen is, is, is the far-right candidate, but she's able to grab onto a lot of others who don't identify as far-right and capture their votes for a variety of reasons. And that's what Polyev could do against a weak Trudeau campaign and against a, Trudeau camp, a true gover- Trudeau government. It hasn't figured out how to do issues management after six years. Corey, how, tell me your scale of worry inside a liberal camp right now around what this could look like and, and what the prep for something like this needs to look like. And you might be saying, Zane, you're overstating it, that no. like he's winning on all these metrics. They're only internal to the party. That won't be that strong when he emerges out of this thing. But it's, it's looking scary if you're a progressive in this country, I would say. Well, so I would broaden it, in fact. I would say one of the things about us being in sports team times, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, it's my team, so I'm going to support them, is the biggest booster of the team is the person that people tend to go to. And that's true on the left and the right. It's more true on the right, I think it's fair to say. But it's true in both cases. And and you see people everywhere saying, the reason we lose is because my party just, they've watered down too much. They've moderated too much. We just need strong conviction of our values. We do that. We'll move the Overton window. People will be talking about things. We'll win some elections because people just want fighters. People want conviction. Nothing here is unique to the right wing, and it's something that's just going on more generally across society right now. So if I'm the liberals and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about how do I, as Justin Trudeau, the leader of a purportedly centrist party, deal with a world that is polarizing like that? Now, we've seen the liberals move to the left yes, on we quite have. a few issues, and maybe that's the liberal solution to it. But that's still leaving an awful lot of people uh, perhaps feeling a little bit squeamish, a little bit uncomfortable. You know, one of the things that um, – so on Friday I was having a drink with a friend. And he uh, – That doesn't he, sound plausible. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, an acquaintance at best. Um, and he was – he had volunteered for the charade camp. And he had volunteered for the Like charade. right now, you mean? Yeah, yeah like yeah. – uh, Recently, he'd gone to a couple of like the national meetings on Zoom and all of this, and he kind of ghosted. He he ducked out of it all. And I said, "Well, why?" He said, "Well, there were two types of people there. There were really old PCs, like really, really old, like Stephen Old, yeah, yeah, like Stephen. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Stephen Carter's the young guy in that. (laughs) And then there were five minutes when you left Carter. Yeah, and then there were the the blue liberals, right? The, The 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 kind of the champagne set of the Liberal Party who. Uh, weren't necessarily feeling... It's not even that they wouldn't vote for Liberal at the end of the day, but they wanted uh, they wanted kind of a charade backstop there. And they were feeling like maybe the party had moved a little too bit. So a couple of things that really struck me about that. One is none of the enthusiasm is with a moderate right now. But the other is there are liberals available, I suspect, to a moderate conservative party. So there's interesting tensions there. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the liberals, I'm seeing worry, but I'm seeing opportunity, and I'm definitely watching and, and preparing for a lot of outcomes in this conservative leadership race. Carter, what else are you doing to prepare right now? Anything tactical? Videos? Anything you're putting out? Are you, once again, is this just eating popcorn for you if you're the liberals right now, or is it a different situation than what Kenny's about to do here and embark upon with the starting pistol of the closing argument uh, in Alberta? Is this, is this fundamentally different, what Trudeau is, has to do in... Uh, 
in, in Ottawa and, and the party has to do nationally as they observe the conservative leadership yeah. race. On our last episode, the Patreon special. Yeah, right? that's yeah. right. Yeah. Very good. Um, which is also a real thing. Once again, the authenticity yeah. issue that we have <laughs> is quite significant. Yeah. So on, on that, in that show, we talked about how um, we haven't seen Trudeau as much, right? With we haven't. The, with the Ukraine, with the Ukraine event, with the, the COVID, kind of the end of COVID plus the rise of COVID that is coming. Um, we're not seeing Trudeau for that. We didn't really see Trudeau on the budget. And I think that this is all speaking to a missed opportunity because he has the opportunity to stand up and say, this is all shifting right now. And we need, we need a national government that is mature and responsible. And I think it's really good that he's sharing the, the, the limelight with his ministers, but we need to see the leader as well. And I think that Trudeau really needs to reassert himself as he did during a large portion of the, of the COVID-19 problem and show us what grown-up, mature leadership looks like versus what it is that Skippy's trying to do. 2025 is a lifetime away. Um, it is. If, if the Liberals are smart, and I believe they are smart to do this, they would be going out, they would be making sure they're getting footage of all of these rallies. They're getting those times when he is feeling perhaps a little less guarded. He's talking to his base, they're, and they're preparing it. Uh, for step one, an introduction to Canadians, because to the point about normal people, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's not that many people who know this man yet, so they, they essentially, they de-on him, to use another kind of yeah, metaphor here, this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, explain, explain, what, yeah explain what that means. Well, Ignatius do you think it is easy to make priorities? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the, the idea of like putting out the shit <laughs> heel ad. Who was, that was Dion? Well, yeah. I was I was like, what do you want from me? But like, you, you no, I was out, wondering if that's a merger of the two of them yeah, together. No, you put out this ad where you've clipped a moment that's not a great moment for them, and that is how all of Canada gets Intro. to be introduced, right? And then you make sure that you keep the rest of it that you don't need for the introduction for the election. Yeah. So, because uh, there's no point in defining this person in 2024 after that initial how do you do. Yeah. It'll all be forgotten by 25. I, I, Carter. Think, that, I think the political parties somehow sometimes forget that, that elections are when elections are won and lost. They, they sometimes think that um, so say that elections are where elections are won and lost. Right, because they want to... Is, uh, is money the currency of politics? <laughs> I just, I just want to break up another Stephen Carter phrase yeah. just to make sure we're on the it's same great. page. Yeah. You're doing good. It's okay. Why are you turning to him? He's not sympathetic. And, and now, less and less of this audience is not like it. It does not sound like 99.5% to me. <laughs> My simple point is this. Yeah, they yeah, try and win the election every day of their government. Right? They're, they're trying to win their election today. They're trying to win their election tomorrow. And yes, certain trends carry. But the election is going to be won or lost in the last couple of weeks before mm. E-Day. Is that better? Are you happier with yes. E-Day? Thank you, Carter. This, this idea that you're going to win or lose today. And this is where I think the provincial NDP get themselves caught in this. They're going, we got to win the day. we got to win today. You don't have to win today. You have to win when the ballot happens. And, and this, sure, yes, what you do today may impact that. So don't fuck up. But it doesn't have to be a full division. You know, like decisive a big victory. capital W. Right. So yeah. Trudeau doesn't have to win today. Right? He just needs to make sure that he continues to show what mature government looks like. Corey, I need to ask you, as a, as a final question to round out the segment, you know, <clears throat> we're seeing this populist rise. We saw the movie in 2016. Yeah. We've seen it elsewhere around the world. We're seeing interesting developments happen in France right now. If you're someone on the progressive side of the spectrum, you're, you're a hyper-engaged person across this country, you see what's happening with the Pierre Polyevre campaign, the populism that comes with it, the rhetoric uh, in its own right, dialed up to 11. Uh, the simplistic sort of language that is having many people gravitate towards it around freedom and making Canada the free, freest country in the world. We've seen versions of this film across the world. Sure. What are you doing right now? If, you, if you're that person, if you're, if you're engaged in, in politics, you're part of the, 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 the unit in this country that wants to see some change, but not in this direction. Is there anything you're doing right now? Well, you have two choices, right? Let's put it this way. This is a real thing that is happening across the globe. We've seen what's going on in the United States. The the total ho-hum attitude towards an insurrection that just barely failed, uh, right, is really quite troubling. And, uh, you know, we do tend to take these American trends on just a couple of years after the Americans themselves do them. So you have two choices, right? 
You can do it better or you can do it different, but both take a certain amount of intentionality. And you've got to say, this is my strategy. And where I think uh, progressives really need to kind of really get serious with themselves and think this out is, are we going to try to fight this overall trend? Because that suggests a certain type of tactics and it suggests going to a moderation of views and perhaps either trying to ride a wave that's coming or creating a wave mm. towards more, more, more sedate government than we've had in the past couple of decades here, it feels like. Or, or a decade at least, or you can say, who's our Pierre Polyev? Who is the, who is the firebrand who's going to stand up and fill those rooms and, and just have this total fucking clash of civilizations election coming up? So Frank, those are your choices. And do you, do you feel like that we're headed to one of those two choices by default? I think by default, they will attempt both and fail at both. So that's that's a warning yeah. call in some ways, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, Carter. One yeah. of the phrases that really stuck with me, not in light of of what's happening with Pierre, but it's around these global movements that a zealous minority can always defeat a flabby majority, a majority that that kind of sits around, that ho hums, that doesn't get involved. Your advice for individuals, groups, etc., that look at what's happening with the populism of a Pierre Polyever campaign, and and want to counteract it. Well, status quo almost never survives, right? So there is no... Because, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about how we'd really seen a real shift in American politics and in Canadian politics towards the progressive side. Yeah. You know, progressivism mm-hmm. was, was, was absolutely dominant for, for quite a while. And, you know, you could see it as it was, you know, oozing into Alison Redford or, or oozing into Ed Stelmack or some of these progressive conservative parties that were truly progressive conservatives. Um, and it was also working in the same way with the with the progressive, you know, the true progressive, if you will, identifying parties. These things were legitimate and they were real, and the population seemed to be there. And it was like, oh, we have got this now. We have got this. But yeah. the equilibrium, you know, it shifted again. And as it shifted, we didn't. No one thought that Donald Trump was going to be kind of the the biggest example of that. But it, he was just but one. Right? We did see the same type of thing happening in Brazil. We see the same type of thing happening in Europe. We've seen it all over the world where the shift is happening. So if you want to avoid being that group that is overtaken, you need to be the group that is actually doing things. And, and that means that politics needs to be more than just simply that something that you watch. It needs to be something that you participate in. Because it's only through the participation that we actually change it. Corey, anything to, anything to close this out on? Yeah, look, I'll just say this. History is not dead and progress is not time's arrow. You want to change the world, you fight for it every day because there are people who have other views and those views are going to be in conflict. So uh, go out there and fight for what you care. We're going to leave that segment there. Moving on to our next segment. I love how we have to look to see what the yeah, next yeah, segment is. We'll, we'll skip that segment yeah. about, about Trey. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll skip that segment about Patrick Brown. Um, we'll skip Pakistan politics today. Uh, that, we'll, that one, we'll, we'll just move past that one. Uh, yeah, we'll move past that one. Uh, uh, we'll leave that there. Our over under and our lightning round. <laughs> Stephen Carter, we do it for you. Thank we do this you. entire show yes. for you. Yeah. On a scale of one, actually, you know what? Over under on six, the Kenny speech. Over under on six. Yeah, that was a D minus for me. <laughs> I mean, he was trying to carry quite a bit. He was trying to make in one speech. Um, it was both the launch and the end of his campaign. So it was it was tricky. I mean, it's fine. I think it's both the launch at the end of his. That's what I put in there. Okay, nice to Let's take it from you two. Oh, thank you so Um, much. But I think that his problem was that he was trying to uh, achieve too much, and I think that the question is ill-formed. The unity—it's not just enough to stay together, just to stay together. We need—he needed to put together a reasoning and rationale. It's not about the last 385 promises. It's about the next one. Corey, over under on six, the Kenny speech. Carter gave it a, a, a D plus, which translates into D an under. A D minus, which translates into an under. How about yourself? Over under on six, yes. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging. Anything else you want to add to this, Corey, as we wrap up? Uh, yeah, I, I think I, it was a good speech. It was a good speech, but it requires a certain willful ignorance of events, and it's just interesting to see 
what the mood of his party is. Because if his party is in a mood to move on and forget and fuck it, let's just just ride the bull, then then it was a good speech. Corey, are you in or out on the Daniel Smiths for leader strategy? Which seems to be, I'm running for leader. I'd, I'd be interested. I'm now running for this nomination. Here's my website that is ready for a leadership race at any moment in time, but I'm just running for this nomination. Are you in or out on that strategy uh, for Daniel Smith? I think it is a pretty good strategy because it allows you to do all of the things you need for a leadership contest without declaring the leadership contest. You can start raising money. You can start building lists. This is all pretty sensible stuff. Uh, it, you know, the bait and switch of I'm running for counselor. No, I'm running for mayor. You know, it's a, it's a time-tested kind of thing. Nah, head. Wherever you go. <laughs> Uh, no, but it works. Yeah. Really? Do you think that works, Carter? Are you in around in that fucking strategy? so wrong? <laughs> it would be fine maybe if she didn't say she was running for leader, but she said she's running for leader. Stupid fucking choice. If you're if you're running for leader, then run for leader. It was the wrong time. What she needed to do is say, "I want to be back in. I want a party that can succeed, and I'm going to start. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm running in whatever the hell the name of the riding is. Longview. Is that right?" Uh, no one knows. One of them. No one. We don't check facts. That's fine. That's fine. Carter, overrated, underrated, setting the ballot box question specific to what's happening here in, in, in the UCP in Alberta. Is that overrated or underrated, uh, the setting and the framing of the ballot box question? Setting and framing the ballot box question is the core element of politics. If you don't do it, you're not winning. And um, so I'm not sure that it's overrated or underrated. I think it's just it is the game. Carter's so going like, with underrated. Corey, uh, overrated or underrated? <laughs> setting the ballot box question here in, in, the, in this UCP. I, I, here's the reason yeah. I ask it that way, Carter. Because of the final days, Corey I thought it says... I just you were really awkward in your phrasing. No, I was not awkward oh, okay. in my phrasing. <laughs> uh, underrated, but your question, your addendum there is the point. It, yeah. it is overrated at this moment because so much of this has already occurred. And there's just so much history... It's going to be interesting to see people's perspectives. Corey, yes or no? Are we headed for an early election here in Alberta? Yes. Oh. Why? Tell me why. Tell me, tell me how you see this play Okay. Out. Well, I, I said it's... <laughs> I said it so confidently. I am yeah, that was, definitely that was, asking the universe to kick me in the ass. Stephen but here... <laughs> that was a oh. Stephen Carter prediction right there. Right? <laughs> We're, we're triple recording this, right? Just to make sure. I believe one of two things is likely oh, to happen. Oh, exp- he's expanding one the agenda. One of two things is likely to happen. Oh, yeah. There we go. Jason Kenney will win or Jason Kenney will lose? Blown and, away. And hold on, hold on, hold on. In the case of number hold on, one... Hold on, hold on. You paid $35 for it. <laughs> I just want you in, to know. In the case of number one, Jason Kenney has not dealt with the rebels... Uh, he has already put out signals that uh, the only thing that would cause him to go to a snap election is if his caucus doesn't hold with him. So he's signaled already that he's willing to do that and clear the decks on his own campaign. If if he loses, there will be a leadership review. There will be, or not a leadership review, a leadership contest. Yep. There will be a new leader, and the new leader is not going to sit there to be hated for six months. They are going to take that honeymoon, and they're going to go to the polls in the fall. So th- those, to me, seem like the two most likely scenarios. Um, and, you know, it could be a meteor destroys us all, and that, that would make me wrong. But I think... <laughs> Only that would make you wrong. Wow. Just, just I think that, otherwise, just I feel that, pretty just, good we will be looking at an early election. Just of an Adam McKay movie would be the only thing that would prove <laughs> you wrong. That's good. Carter, yeah. are we going for an early election here? Uh, well, I mean, the smart move with the live audience would be to disagree with Corey, but yeah. we're going to an early election. Really? Yeah. Same rationale? Oh, yeah, but better. <laughs> We'll leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 981 of The Strategist. We'll get that music. (laughs) (laughs) My name is David Elsie, with me as always. Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and our live audience here in Calgary. 